welcome into A to Z Sports Prime Time on a Wednesday night from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios. I'm your host, Buck Rising. I'm proud, as always, to be presented to you by the fine folks at Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford will take care of you just like they take care of me. Every time I go to Two Rivers Ford, I can't wait to deal with their incredibly friendly sales staff, their non-commissioned sales staff, most importantly, put no pressure on me when I'm out there to make a purchase or to do more than I'm looking to do. Anytime I go out for service, it is always to the highest standard. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, can get you in on the action with promo code A2Z Sports, just as you see behind me and in front of me. Start making money today in the DraftKings Sportsbook app using that promo code with all of their great offers. The Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. GaryAshton.com is where you go for your dream address without the stress. And if you want to sell your home for more, you can do it with the Ashton team. And of course, if you're looking for quality HVAC service, Brymac Mechanical is where you go. B-R-Y-M-A-K, Brymac.com. They will get you in your comfort zone. Three locations that will take care of you at Brymac Mechanical. So there's a lot of great stuff to get through um, over the course of tonight. And it starts really with Julio Jones. Julio Jones returned to practice today. Uh, I got a tip that he was going to practice today. So I taped the last segment on my radio show. I'm sorry if I'm, uh, if I'm, if I'm breaking uh, anybody's trust by telling you that I recorded a segment on my radio show so I could go to practice today because I got a tip that Julio was going to be out there. And sure enough, walked out on the practice field and there uh, he was in front of me for the first time in two weeks. Been a while since we've seen Quintores Lopez Jones uh, on the practice field for the Titans, and that was indeed the case today. So there's a lot uh, there's a lot involved with having Julio back, and it's not necessarily it doesn't necessarily mean that he's full full go, fully healthy, ready to play against the Bills. Because Gabriel Ruiz, of course, asks me, does that mean he'll play Monday? And the answer to that, Gabriel, is I don't know that yet. Right. He's got to go through a full week of work. They've got to see where he's at. They've got to see if he can go through a full week of work. And even if that, that may not even be their plan, even though it probably should be as they work him back from a hamstring injury. So the question, will he play, will, is something that we will, we will not be able to answer quite yet. In fact, when we, uh, when we do primetime, remember there will be no primetime on Monday because of course the game will be on. We'll do it Sunday. And pregame the uh, Monday night football game, I'll be able to talk more at length about his week of work and what he was able to do and what he wasn't able to do. But let's get into that right now, in fact, and let's get that going with your Two Rivers Ford take. If Julio is to play on Monday, hypothetically, how many snaps would you want him to play? Let me know on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. We'll talk about it. At length, what percentage of the snaps would you want Julio Jones to play if he is physically able to go next Monday? Give me your response on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. We'll talk about it together um, right after I tell you about Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford is the best in the business. Two Rivers Ford is where you go for all of your automotive needs. They are going to be the best car buying experience that you have because they're Non-commissioned sales staff is the best, uh, is the best, and puts no pressure on you throughout the course of the car buying experience. Two Rivers Ford will make sure that you get a full look at their inventory, and if the vehicle that you seek is not on the lot with your exact specifications, the exact way you want it, they have the built for you program, which means that you can get any Ford, any color, with any customizable accessories. They'll build it for you. They'll deliver it right to your door. It's one of the best things about Two Rivers Ford. Caleb Gray, even a testimonial, in fact, got the new Ford Maverick getting built through Two Rivers Ford for myself. Fantastic. The the new 2022 Ford Maverick um, is now available on the lot at Two Rivers Ford, or if you don't find the exact one that you want, you can do what Caleb did and use the Built For You program. That's great news, Caleb. Make sure that you heard about them through A to Z. Make sure they know that you heard about them through A to Z Sports. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. So, what percentage of the snaps, if Julio can play, 
and this is a hypothetical. We don't know whether he'll be able to go or not. I'm going to continue to preface it that way for people who come in and out of the show. If Julio is able to participate, what percentage of the snaps would you want him to play? Now, I ask you that question because of what you've just gone through with A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown did play against the Jacksonville Jags, but when he came to the podium Sunday night and I wanted to ask him you know, how important it was for him to be able to play, even though he's not fully right, he gave us a little bit of insight into how the Titans are handling his particular situation. This was A.J. Brown on Sunday afternoon after the Titans beat the Jags. How important your, uh, your ability as an offense to stay on the field and convert those third downs, how, how, how big was that today? How much do you think that affected your defense? Um, whenever you can stay on the field and convert convert third downs, you know, uh, uh, those guys on the other side, they get tired, you know, so we keep the drive going and uh, that's huge and, and that's the money down. That's what we call it. So. You fought through injury before. How big was it? How important was it for you to be able to go for a division? Um, it was big for me. Uh, I didn't get, get as many snaps that I wanted, but, you know, I was on the snap count and I was just trying to do what they want me to do today, so. You know, just being out there. We got the win, so support. So, and AJ told us that he was on a snap count. So he played 40 snaps. The Titans ended up having north of 50 offensive snaps, and I can pull up the exact snap count here for you so you can understand what percentage that AJ Brown did play. So if Julio was able to go, are you? do you want to wait until he's 100% healthy? Or do you want to get him out there in a more limited capacity? Now, listen, I understand that people will want A.J. Brown, or rather Julio Jones, well, I mean, frankly, both of them, back as soon as humanly possible to get them out on the field. And in the case of A.J. Brown, that was 65.6% of the offensive snaps. There were 61 total snaps against the Jags. A.J. Brown played 40 of them. So if A.J. Brown, and, and listen, they may be different degrees, of hamstring injuries, but if they're willing to put a 65%, literally a 65% A.J. Brown out there, would you want them to do the same with Julio Jones, or is he too critical of an asset to do so at this point? Because I think that A.J. was effective even if he wasn't out there as often as he would like and doing as much as he would like. It served a purpose to help kind of create this passing game. So I asked you guys for a percentage, what percentage of the snaps, do you want A.J. Brown, or rather Julio Jones, forgive me, to play? We'll talk about it over the course of this evening's show. Thomas says zero, wait till he's fully healthy. Uh, he doesn't want him out there at all. For Van Jeffrey, he wants about 25 to 30% of the snaps. Chris Frazier says all four quarters. Well, listen, Chris, and I get that, but if it's to the detriment of the player, you know, Julio's availability matters much more next month and into December than it does on it what what it'll be. It'll be October, what is that, 16th is I think when the game will be played. If my math is correct, let me not do math live on air and embarrass myself because I'm bad at math. And I don't want to count on my fingers. What? <laughs> Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, so the 17th. I'm an idiot. I was wrong. This is why I can't do math on air. I have to count on my fingers. Um, Caleb Gray says Monday is going to be a very long day for you since you got that radio show at 10 a.m. I mean, listen, every day, not, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm bitching about how long my days are, but my days are very long regardless of what time, uh, what time the day starts, because even if it's a noon game, I'm working late into the night anyway, doing prime time with you guys it'll yeah I mean it'll be a longer day than usual but it will be fun Monday night football is a big deal and I've got a killer suit that I'm excited to wear so I won't even notice and I'll still be up at 4 30 a.m because I go to work I go to I go to my workouts at 5 30 and it'll still be just as long a day as it would in any other day so it's uh it's no it does not phase me because this is football season and this is what we do and the grind is the grind baby it's not just for the players and the coaches for the media uh, vultures, too. Alonzo Henderson would like to see 80% of the snaps for Julio Jones. Kenston says he'll be out there Monday night. The whole nation will be watching. He's going to remind the league that he's still around. And listen, I, I think that he absolutely thinks that way. And 
I think it's important. I don't necessarily care if it's on a national televised, a nationally televised game. Now, maybe that matters to you more than it matters to me. But what I'd say to you is that he feels that he needs to remind everybody else in the league that Julio Jones is still the best wide receiver in football, even if that's not necessarily the case anymore. He's still, when he's right, top five easily. So it is there is some pride involved in Julio on Julio Jones's part, but if he's not fully ready to go, are you comfortable putting him on a snap count? I don't think he needs to play 100% of the snaps. I just think the threat of Julio Jones needs to be out there to be able to free things up to make Derrick Henry more effective. Hopefully, A.J. Brown can continue to get healthy to allow A.J. to be a part of the passing offense, Marcus Johnson, Chester Rogers, Josh Reynolds, and we can really see more of a, I mean, hell, but perhaps even Darrington Evans, who is designated to return off IR, but has not yet been activated just yet. In fact, he was playing the role of Emmanuel Sanders, which I thought was pretty interesting for the practice squad this week at practice. So um, Carl Crossland says he usually doesn't practice, so I'm guessing he is ready. I think it's a good sign. I, I don't want to make too much out of one day, right? And if he strings a couple of days together, I think that's great news. And if he's ready to go on Monday, I think get him out there because you need him. You need him. Your, your passing game is fairly constipated right now, and it needs some kind of explosive plays, or at least the threat of explosive plays, at least to attract the attention of the defense and to not allow you know backup wide receivers to be covered up and handled as much as they have been without those two guys on the field. If you can have both of them against the Bills, you're a much better match for Buffalo. And I think you're overmatched against Buffalo. They're a, they're a superior football team right now. I don't think that's breaking news to anybody, but I've seen the Titans do improbable things before. I've certainly seen a lot of them over certainly the last three years in change. Uh, hell, I mean, week two, I saw them do the improbable in Seattle. So, I think they're capable, um, but they need to be healthy, or at least they need to be closer to healthy than they have been the last couple of weeks. And you don't want to push him too hard when he does return because you don't want a Bud Dupree situation. So we'll continue this conversation here in just a second. Uh, I continue to ask you guys, what percentage of the snaps would you want Julio Jones to play on Monday Night Football? And I'll give you my answer here in just a second, right after I tell you about our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings Sportsbook is the best, and they offer their customers so many great promotions and odds boosts, just like the one that they have for week six. Bet what just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. They also have same-game parlays, which allow you to combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Simply download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code A2Z Sports, just as you see behind me and, in fact, in front of me. Promo code A2Z Sports on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets. That's promo code A2Z Sports this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older and present in Tennessee to bet. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, Call or text the Tennessee red line, 1-800-889-9789. So, what percentage of the snaps would you want Julio Jones to play? Um, here's what I'll say. Because uh, what uh, Gabriel says, all third and long, 25 to 30 snaps. Yeah, but you don't want to be obvious, Gabriel, right? It's like it's like putting Derrick Henry out there. Uh, it's like putting... It's like putting Jeremy McNichols out there exclusively in the two-minute drill. You know they're not running the football, so you don't have to play the run, which means that you're going to drop more defenders back into coverage, and it's going to make it harder to throw the ball. So you don't want to tell on yourself by having Julio Jones in the game exclusively for third and long snaps. So what I would say is I would I would play it safe, and I would probably give him about 40% of the offensive snaps. If you played AJ 60, uh, north of 60%, I'd say – you know, ease him in and see where he's at and see how comfortable he is. And if you go in with the mindset, all right, we're going to play him about 40% of the offensive snaps, or if he gets up to, let's say, for the purposes of this conversation, let's say if he plays 25 snaps and you feel pretty good about where he is, okay, continue to see where he's at. And if things start to, if he starts to feel a little bit of a strain or a little bit of a pull or the hammy 
starts starts to get a little tight. Okay, get him out of there and get him, you know, use him sparingly moving forward. I think that the objective is to continue to keep uh to continue to keep his health throughout the course of the season. That is of the that is the ut, uh, that is the of the utmost importance. William Young says the Titans are constipated. They need explosions. Yes, I am. Uh, I appreciate you making me aware of the picture that I'm painting of a potentially backed up Titans team. Um, he's getting paid. Play him, says Charles Hardaway. Yeah, but you, he's getting paid to help you win a Super Bowl, Charles. Don't be don't be such a. It doesn't need to be that definitive. Uh, see where he's at allow him to tell you what he's physically capable of doing and then test it out. You don't have to be full go right out of the gate because they did that with Bud Dupree in week one. And now Bud's knee isn't where it needs to be for him to be able to play at a high level more consistently and for longer stints in the games. It's a problem at this point. Uh, And it's something that it is that's brought upon themselves. So what I'll say to you ultimately is for the sake of Julio Jones, uh, you need to make sure that he lasts longer and don't just pay him or don't just play him because he's getting paid. Uh, Dom Odell says Metamucil. Yeah, some more fiber in the Titans' offensive diet. That'll make a difference. Let's move on and let's talk about the opportunity that the Titans have against the Buffalo Bills because I I did have this brought to my attention. I I did a hit in Buffalo. I did an interview in Buffalo um, about two hours ago, and we talked about what this could potentially mean for the Titans if they somehow found the upset. Right now, I believe they're four-and-a-half-point favorites, or excuse me, four-and-a-half-point home dogs, and I'll double-check in my DraftKings Sportsbook app where you can get involved using the promo code A2Z Sports. Right now on DraftKings, you can get the Titans at as five-and-a-half-point home dogs. So that spread has gone up. Since last I saw it, um, Bills five point five five and a half point favorites in Nashville this coming Monday. So I think that's a pretty I, I would man that's a pretty interesting line. I would be tempted. I don't bet the Titans games because that would be unprofessional. Um, I don't bet the NFL games because I'm an NFL reporter and there's an ethical concern there. But I would be tempted if I was uh, if this was a college football game, for example, because I have no ethical concerns betting college. If the Titans were a college team, I'd take I'd take them at five and a half. I think that's uh, I think that's a pretty good spread, especially at home, especially at Monday night. And I know it's a big game, and sometimes the Titans don't live up to those expectations. But there's some there's some pretty good precedent for them to be being able to handle or playing up to the level of their competition. Uh, King Nat six 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 says, "Let's f and go." I agree. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I would consider taking the Titans at five and a half as home dogs right now in your DraftKings Sportsbook app. So what this has the potential to do is pretty interesting, and we'll talk about it here in just a second. The question I'm going to ask you guys, though, is what should be the Titans' biggest focus at the moment? AFC playoff seeding or winning the division? Let me know on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. Uh, We will discuss together what should be the Titans' biggest focus at this moment. AFC playoff seating or winning the division. Uh, while you guys talk about that, I'll tell you about my friends at Brymac Mechanical. B-R-Y-M-A-K, Brymac.com. Satisfaction guaranteed on all of your HVAC needs. They will put you in position to succeed. They will put you in your comfort zone. Three locations in Middle Tennessee and in Kentucky. B-R-Y-M-A-K, Brymac.com. So, What should be the Titans' focus at this point in the season? AFC seeding or focusing on the division? Uh, You'll you'll hear from Mike Vrabel on the Bills momentarily. Uh, Orlando Jones asks, so how do Austin and Zach get to bed? Um, Well, Austin and Zach aren't NFL reporters, right? They're talk show hosts. They they cover local teams. And I'm I'm not saying that there's, you know, that's better or worse. Like, I would love to be able to bet on the NFL games. But... As an NFL reporter, I cover a team every day. You could you could consider, and not like Zach and Austin don't have inside information. It's not like they don't talk to people. Um, but it would be considered basically insider trading. It's why I, we have a Titans Media League. Um, 
Titans Media Fantasy League. It's the only fantasy football league that I'll play in, but it's not for money because NFL employees, there's some NFL employees who are in that league. They can't bet on fantasy football. They can't bet on the games. We as reporters, I mean, we could, but it would be an ethical concern. And that's something that you try to avoid. You don't want to be financially attached to the team that you're covering because then you may end up rooting for that team to win or to cover or you know, to, uh, you know, for Ryan Tannehill to throw a certain amount of touchdowns or A.J. Brown to have a certain amount of receiving yards. And and you don't, you know, the job is not to root for the team. The job is to have a clear, objective view of the team so that you can give an honest assessment, not a biased assessment. And so that that water gets pretty muddy um, if you have a financial stake in the game. You don't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? Uh what uh, what MB says, yeah, Buck. But what about the other teams you don't cover? Yeah, I I bet I bet on college football. I bet on baseball. I bet it's the only way that I'll watch baseball and hockey is if I bet on it. And by the way, Preds open up tomorrow night. That seemed like it came up pretty fast. I bet on the NBA. I bet on college basketball. I bet on everything that's not the NFL because I talk about other teams, but I'm not a Vols reporter, right? I'm not a I'm not a you know a Yankee. Well, I know the Yankees got eliminated. I'm not like a Red Sox reporter. I, I'm not a baseball writer. I I, uh, I go about it. Um, that makes no sense. They own A to Z, says Billy Jordan. Well, there's a difference between owning a business, owning a media company, and being a reporter. You know what I'm saying, Billy? But that's okay. You don't have to make that distinction. That's why we're here to make that distinction for you. Um, and it doesn't keep me from betting on other sports. That's all good. Uh, MB says, sorry, I meant about what about other NFL teams that you don't cover? I mean, you know, it's a little less of an issue, but I just, I don't like, I don't like the stigma that it comes with. You know what I'm saying? Like I would like, I would prefer to have a clear and, and honest view of the game that I'm watching. That's not clouded by the fact that I bet, you know, over two and a half touchdowns for Jacoby Brissett on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I don't think that that shouldn't factor into my analysis. Um, and so I try to limit those opportunities, even though I would probably do a hell. I mean, I don't know that. I think I would do a lot better at betting the NFL because I know more about the NFL than any other sport that I talk about. Um, so let's focus on the NFL, shall we? Then Monday night football, the opportunity that lies ahead. So the question becomes, what is, what should be the primary focus winning the division or AFC playoff seating at this point? Well, here's what I'll say. If the Titans beat the Bills, because the, so currently in the AFC right now, it goes Chargers, Ravens, Bills, Titans, as far as AFC playoff, uh, (laughs) big Joe Dubin from mainstream media is lurking in the comments on Facebook, which makes me very happy, but it also makes me laugh and distracts me. So Joe, settle down. I'll tell you about my beard product later. So right now, Chargers, Ravens, uh, excuse me, Chargers, Bills, Ravens, Titans. That is the seeding in the AFC at present. And then, you know, you have the wildcard teams. Ironically enough, Cincinnati would technically be a wildcard team. And so would the Las Vegas Raiders if the playoffs end today. But of course they don't after five weeks in the season. Uh, So if the Chargers and the Ravens, who will play this weekend, if the Chargers win, of course, they will sit atop the AFC. They will continue uh, on the streak that they've been on, and they're an incredibly fearsome team at this point. If the Ravens win, they have the opportunity to cause some disruption in the AFC playoff picture. And if the Titans beat the Bills, they could be the second-seeded team in the AFC. Now, the top seed, of course, in either conference is the team that gets the bye week. It's no longer the top two since they've adjusted the playoff format. But, the, I mean, listen. Again, I think the Titans are probably going to lose on Monday night. I I don't do game predictions. I don't do game picks. They're just not as good as the Bills right now, but they have beaten superior teams before. So it becomes a pretty interesting question when you look at, yeah, the Titans are three and two, but they could be the second seed in the AFC if they pull this shit off. And then they play Kansas City, and Kansas City is an infinitely more winnable game than Buffalo is. And then you have another divisional opponent, and you can really entrench yourself. If you, if you do things correctly and there's no guarantee that they do things correctly because they, they live to play down to their competition and to lose games that they shouldn't. And frankly, win games that they shouldn't under Mike Vrabel, but against the bills, it'll be quite difficult. It'll be probably the most difficult test that they have 
all this season until they get to the postseason, if they get to the postseason. How impressive have you been with what you've seen from Buffalo so far and does last year's game against them help you in preparation this year? I would doubt it. You know, it looked like they're scoring at will, moving the ball. Looks like the quarterback, looks like a running back with an elite arm. Looks like it's Wildcat that throws for 350 yards a game. A wildcat offense that throws for 350 yards a game. The Bills are scoring more points than anybody in football. They have two shutouts already on the year, and albeit against bad teams, one against the Texans and another against the Dolphins, two teams that are one and four this year. But they are they are scoring north of 36 points a game, and they are allowing 12.8 points a game. It's the it's the fewest amount of points per game of any team in football. So they're tops in scoring and their tops as far as scoring defense is concerned. They are very, very difficult to play. They just beat Kansas City in Kansas City by 18 points. And, and so for the Titans, you know, my because the probability of them winning is so much lower, I would say that the easier route is to focus on simply the division win the Colts game, close that division out before November 1st, because you, of course those two games, the second game will be played on uh, on October 31st on Halloween. And so by November 1st, the, the division may well be decided unless the Houston Texans do something crazy with Davis Mills. And I would be shocked by that, but you know, stranger things have happened, I suppose, uh, in football. They both look beatable on Sunday night, says Royal White. I don't think anything about the Bills look beatable on Sunday night, Roy. I think you and I were watching two very different football games. If you thought that the Bills looked uh, any kind of just obviously beatable, uh, still sounds so much like last year's game. Well, no, it really doesn't at all. In fact, this is a much different situation. Um, now, at the time, Josh Allen came in as an MVP candidate. He is doing so again. So there are similarities there. But you can't compare this year to last year for the Titans specifically because at that time, coming off a 16-day 16 16-day 16 layoff between games because they got shut down due to COVID, they came back. They had not practiced together hardly at all except for the one Montgomery Bell a practice that Paul Kaharski reported on and uh, got them in a bit of trouble because they shouldn't have been gathering while they were dealing with that outbreak. Um, what I will say to you, is that winning the division is the easier route. But if you can find a way to upset the Bills, then you can absolutely focus on, on one of the top seeds in the AFC. You can fo- I mean, you're going to host a home playoff game if you win your division. But you can do that further into the playoffs and make like life easier on yourself if you continue to improve your standing in the conference. Kansas City is vulnerable. Baltimore looked pretty dangerous, especially if Lamar... I mean, Lamar played his best game in the second half of that Colts game, winning from the pocket, right? Me and Greg Cosell of NFL Films, we diagnosed that on the install. And in fact, Greg brought up that the Bills have no obvious weaknesses right now. And I wish that I would have thought to get producer Reed to have that clip for us, but I'm just now remembering that that's what we talked about. But you can check it out on the install, uh, which is the podcast that I do with Greg Cosell every Wednesday, the great one of NFL Films. So I would say division comes first at this point. Uh, Corey D. Jackson says, let's shock the world. They're capable. They are absolutely capable. Um, is it likely? No, but they're capable. Uh, Evan White says, if you want to fight Paul, I'll help you train. Why would I want to fight Paul? You guys you guys act like I don't like Paul. I love Paul. <laughs> I love Paul more than anybody else probably does other than, you know, Jonathan Hutton or Chad Withrow, who do the Outkick 360 show. Uh, Paul, I, th- those are... <laughs> Paul is like, I don't even know how to describe him. Like, and it's not because he's not that much older than me. I mean, he's he's probably what about twice my age, maybe close to twice my age. Uh, not quite, because he's not 60, even though he acts like a 60-year-old. But like Paul, Paul reminds me of like my grandpa. You know what I'm saying? Like he's just this crotchety, angry old man, but he's well-intentioned uh for the most part. And uh and people hate him, but that's fine. Uh I love Paul. So, you know, there's no and also, I've got like, I've got like three. I've probably got three or four inches on Kaharski, and probably, I mean, I would say close. I'm, I'm close. I'm 
I'm damn near 240 right now, and I'm 6'3". Uh, and Karharski is probably, I'd say Paul's probably 5'10", and maybe like 165. Like That would not be. We are not in the same weight class, uh, me and old PK. PK is the dawn. Kiss the rings, says Corey Dang. I don't know about kissing any rings, but, you know, I still like Paul. <laughs> uh, um. Joe Dubin says, if you had to save only Austin or Zach, who and why? Well, here's – this is a good question. And this question I will answer before we talk about the uh, Ty Sambrello. Brilo, damn it. I do that every time. It doesn't matter now that he's off the team. That's not true. I should be respectful to Ty. But uh, if I had to save only Austin or Zach, who and why? So I would save Austin because Zach is an insane person. And Zach, I believe – is capable of surviving nuclear holocaust. Like Zach, uh, you see the cocaine eyes every time he pops on here. You see how just incredibly, uh, <laughs> incredibly singularly driven this man is because he wants to take over the world and he wants to do it while building A to Z sports with Austin. I'm not saying that Austin isn't equally motivated or isn't equally capable, but if you had to, if I had to pick one who would need my help more than the other, it would be Austin over Zach because Zach, I don't think if you're going to kill Zach, you better shoot to kill. Cause if not, you're just going to piss him off. Like, uh, like if you were taking a shot at a rhinoceros or something like that. And Austin, Austin, much more a lover than a fighter, even if his social media behavior doesn't indicate as such. Uh, Buck won't read this comment says Karen. Well, I just did. So what do you think about that? Karen, that's how you do it. Evan White says, I love Joe. I love Joe too. I haven't seen Joe Dubin in a very long time and it makes me sad. Um, Bobby Dingman says cocaine eyes. I love it. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, you know, not that I'm alleging anything, but also if you were to, if you were to snort a line off the desk right now, you would have eyes like Zach Bingham. Not that I'm alleging anything about my dear friend and also my employer. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about, let's talk about Ty Sambrilo got at that time and, uh, what happened with his retirement. Because I know a lot of people had questions about the uh, the work that I did, and I'm happy to answer them uh, throughout the course of this last segment. So the question that I have for you is this. Scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you that Ty Sambrilo retired? Uh, give your answer on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. We'll talk about it together, and you'll hear from Mike Vrabel. He gave some thoughts here earlier, right after I uh, right after I tell you about the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. Speaking of uh, bald men that I love, just like Joe Dubin, I love the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. I love Gary. I love his bald head. I'll be at the Gary Ashton tailgate, in fact, on Monday night before the Bills game. You should come hang out with Gary and the crew. There will be tailgating. There will be music. There will be cornhole. There will be uh, there will be a lot of great things. There will be me. And maybe that's not a, a big enough draw, but that's fine because Gary's got a lot of other stuff. And he also as the best intel when it comes to the Nashville real estate market. Trust the Ashton team to help you maximize your investment to win the buyer battle with the intel that the Ashton team possesses or to sell your home for more. If you are in the market to do so at GaryAshton.com. So scale of one to 10, how concerned are you about your, uh, about your offensive line now that Ty Sambrilo has retired? Uh, that is the question that I'm asking you. Now, Stephen, before I get into that, Stephen Jordan asks my thoughts on Adam Schefter. Um, I'll be honest. I haven't had time to read the Adam Schefter thing. I've been so caught up in uh, Titan stuff the last couple of days, and I know that Schefter is uh, in a little bit of a weird spot, it seems. I- I'm not I'm not familiar with all the details, uh, and maybe I'll give you an opinion about it tomorrow, Stephen, or I'll talk about it on the radio show tomorrow. I just don't know that people care about that stuff. Maybe you do, and because clearly you're asking about it, or or you at least value my opinion about it as a uh, as a as a media member. Um, I just I don't want to give you a, a a dishonest. Well, it's not a dishonest. I'm not lying to you, but I don't want to lie to you and say that I that I'm fully informed on all the details because I just I haven't had a chance to to catch up on it today. I had about a half hour of free time today, and that. That time ended up getting taken up by people at the Titans facility calling me about the article that I wrote. But with that being said, let's talk about the article that I wrote, shall we? Scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you with Ty Sambrilo's situation? Uh, oh. <laughs> um, I just saw a comment that's going to make me really upset, and I'm trying to decide. I've already derailed the show, so I might as well just go at him. 
Tony Yayo says, are you surprised that woke, all quotes, Carl Nassib took a personal day over some benign comments? That's weak. Um, first, let me say, I don't give a shit about woke. I don't give a shit about cancel culture. I don't care, liberal, conservative. I don't care about any of that stuff. None of that means anything to me. Um, the woke thing, uh, you know, most people would probably consider me hyper woke or whatever. And I don't care about that. I hate the term. I don't think that anything that John Gruden said about being basically just just expressing anti-gay comments, misogynistic comments, and racially charged comments in those emails from Demora Smith. Uh, and he's coaching or was coaching now that he's resigned an openly gay NFL player. I think that good for Carl Nassib for recognizing that he didn't, that he personally needed to take some time. It's not weak. It's human. Tony, I don't know if you've ever had a bad day at work or you felt betrayed by somebody who was your direct superior at the time. And frankly, he may not even think of John. I don't think of John Gruden as a player superior. I think that John Gruden makes a shit, makes a hundred million dollars or was because of what other men's, what other men are doing. So no, I'm not surprised by it. I don't think it's woke. I don't think the comments are benign, nor do I think it's weak. I think it's a weak comment by you, Tony. And I'd say, pull your head out of your ass because you don't know what you're talking about. And that's a shame because clearly you want to talk about it and you have no knowledge on the situation. You just want to yell and scream about somebody that you think is woke and that the comments were weak and John Gruden got canceled and blah, 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 blah. I got no time for that, even though I've just given it some time. Anyway, uh, so Mike Vrabel doesn't think the Ty Sambrello, Brilo, damn it, thing is going to affect the Titans, and you'll hear from him shortly, but let me fill you in on the situation. So I got a tip on Monday that Ty Sambrilo wanted to quit, and uh, that was obviously concerning because with him, one, you don't know what he's got going on in his personal life, and you hope the best for him, but two, if you're looking at the Titans long-term, because of course that's what we do, we look at the next man up on the depth chart, you say that uh, you say that um, the offensive line is one of the biggest issues on the football team, if not the biggest issue on the football team right now, right? Ryan Tannehill being sacked 20 times. Uh, he was only sacked 25 times all of last season. He's on pace to be sacked almost 70 times. If they continue at this rate, the offensive line has had trouble staying healthy. Uh, he has played in four of the five games so far this season, and he's been solid. He, In fact, he started that Seattle game when Taylor Lewan couldn't go and the Titans ended up rushing for 182 yards and Derrick Henry had three touchdowns in the second half and they wanted an overtime. It's pretty much a big deal. Mark Jones says that zero sacks Monday night. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. They're, they're allowing, in fact, I saw a great stat from CBS sports that I want to pull up uh, about the, uh, about the Titans offensive line and how many sacks they're allowing right now, because it's a really, really bad spot that Ryan Tannehill is in, and I'll make sure that I can give you this accurate statistic, uh, courtesy of CBS Sports, if it is readily available on their timeline. It may not be, and I don't want to waste a bunch of time looking for it, because that soccer game apparently has flooded their timeline with many, many soccer tweets, and I have no time for the soccer tweets. What I'll say to you is that the Titans are allowing a ton of sacks. They're allowing four sacks per game, basically. Uh, thank you, William Young, which I could have just done the math in my head, 20... 20 divided by five equals uh, 20 divided by five equals four. So yes, uh, four sacks a game is what the Titans are allowing. So to say that they would have none, you know, I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, so for the, uh, for the article, you know, I got the tip on Monday. And so I started to dig around. And so then on Tuesday, the Titans placed Ty Sambrilo on the reserve retired list. And then this morning I had a report because I spent all day Tuesday talking to people about it, about Ty Sambrilo not liking his time here in Tennessee. Uh, in fact, he opted to not get paid the rest of his million dollar salary. Um, he's gotten paid partial, you know, five games worth of his million dollars that's prorated across 17 games. So he opted to leave the 12 other game checks on the table and say, you know what? I've just, I've had enough. I've had enough of this. He doesn't like his offensive line coach. And in fact, I cited multiple sources that say the offensive linemen don't like their offensive line coach. It doesn't matter um, because it went from nobody talking shit about Keith Carter last year, who is the offensive line coach, when they were one of the better offensive lines in football, 
to this year where everything starts to look bad. And so now people are pointing fingers at one another. And by the way, if you're a football player, if you've played football in your life or you've been around football players, um, you would know that, yeah, you don't always like your football coaches because football coaches can kind of be insane uh, and kind of be uh, just just very, very um, not personable people and not necessarily sensitive to the emotional needs of those that they are coaching. And that's okay. That doesn't make them bad football coaches. It just means that they can be a lot of, you know, you don't have to like them. I have worked for people who I don't like, who I don't respect, and still found ways to be good at what I do, despite what I thought to be inferior uh, management. And that was uh, long before, long before, uh, you know, that was the beginning of my career. And listen, I, it's not that I, it's not that I didn't like them personally. I just didn't think that the people around me were doing a good enough job and that I needed more help and I wasn't getting it. So I left, I quit. Um, and it all worked out, which is lucky for me. But how many of you have been unhappy in a job situation? So I got a lot of blowback on that. And I, I really didn't understand why, because people were wanting quotes and they would want, they wanted sources on the record. And you're an insane person. If you think that somebody's going to go on the record when in the middle of an NFL season, I'm reporting on the dynamic of a, of a position group's room right now. You're nuts. If you think that anybody would ever talk to me again, if I published on the record quotes from that. So I did the story on background. I got the information from multiple places. I put it in a, in a way that made it informed. In fact, I think the second graph of the article and hell, I can pull the article up because I thought this was made very clear because people were demanding that I cite sources, and you know, I did cite that multiple sources told me that the offensive line doesn't like Keith Carter. And for the purposes of the Sam Brilo situation, I said that I wrote about him retiring, and I said that he didn't want to be there anymore. And I wrote very clearly in the second graph, this was no surprise to people in the building, which to me indicated that people in the building were aware of the situation, which is why I was talking about it. The way that I was. Now I'm I'm explaining this to you not because I'm insecure what I reported or that I care that about the people who didn't like what I wrote. That doesn't bother me at all. It's accurate. I know it to be true, and everybody else at that facility knows it to be true, which is why I didn't have any public pushback from people that actually are involved with the situation. They're just trying to move on from it because they're trying to beat the bills on Monday night. And that's all well and good. Um, yeah. Cause I had a couple people chirping at me and there was only one that really bothered me um, because he's some kind of, you know, fake reporter from somewhere called the Nashville post or something like that. And not that followers matter, but he got like 2000 followers. He says he covers the Titans, the Preds and Nashville SC. And I've never seen him at a practice. I've never seen him in a game. I've never heard of this guy, but he was accusing me of being hugely speculative. And that's the only one that really pissed me off because, you know, I don't need some fake reporter or some, what it'd be like Kevin Durant, be like some blog boy, even though I'm really myself a blog boy, uh, criticizing something instead of doing the actual work of somebody who covers the team and going out and finding their own information to refute the report if they found it to be speculative instead of just being lazy and making comments on Twitter. So um, as far as that's concerned, listen, I don't I, it's interesting that the offensive line doesn't like uh, doesn't like Keith Cotter. I don't think it's the end of the world if they don't like Keith Carter, if they start to play better. Um, I think that it is interesting that Ty Sambrilo, as I pointed out, and you can read the article at a to z sports.com. It didn't feel like he wanted to play football much longer and he didn't want to play football for the Titans much longer. And he didn't feel like he was physically ready to play in Seattle, but he played the whole game and they ended up winning in overtime, but he had a foot injury that caused him a lot of grief and that he didn't think he was ready to come back from. So uh, Donald red says, people wanted you to out your sources. Yeah. I'm never going to do that. Um, I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't care who, what I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me whether people know who I talk to or not. Um, I think that, and I don't, again, I don't want, I don't want to sound like I'm explaining myself. I just think, you know, if you guys trust me, you trust me. And if you don't, that's fine. But you're just going to be wrong about it because I've the only thing I've been loud wrong about one thing in my life, and that was Jayon Brown's market this offseason. And we talked about that publicly. Um, and I cop to that because when I get things wrong, I want to be accountable to you guys. But that's really the only time that's happened. So, you know, other than that, people can kick rocks. 
Um, but scale of one to 10 is the question. What, uh, how concerning is it the offensive line, uh, with the depth that they don't have now I'll say, I'll, I'll tell you what, I think it's a nine. I really do just because they're already so shaky. They don't have depth. Um, Dylan Raiden's probably going to be asked to play now and I don't think he's ready and I don't think he's going to play tackle. I think he's going to play guard and it may be that they, Mike Vrabel talked a little bit about shutting Roger Saffold down, but Mike Vrabel was asked about it today and, uh, and he didn't think he didn't seem to think that it was going to affect them at all. Brio's retirement, uh, was that related to the injury issue that he had with his foot or was it just, uh, did it kind of catch you off guard at all? Uh, no, I mean, nothing catches me off guard. I think, you know, I mean, you guys talked to Ty. I think that would be the, the best thing for you guys to do. He informed us that, you know, he was going to retire. And uh, that, that's what uh, that's what he did. So, you know, I want to talk to Ty. What uh, what do you lose with without having Ty around? Like, like what, what impact does that have with the line now? None whatsoever. You know, we're going to focus on the Bills and, and their defensive line rotation, and um, you know, we're, that that's where our focus is. You know, I mean, Ty, Ty talked to us last week. That's I'm I'm moving on, like I do with a lot of things. So he says it affects him none whatsoever, and I appreciate Mike's position on that. I also think Mike is wrong. On that. Uh, you know, he, it's his job to move on. That's all he can do at this point, right? Ty Sambrilo is not on the team anymore, and they, he can't do anything to fix that. Um, Gabriel says he's so arrogant sometimes. Nothing catches me off guard. Uh, listen, I mean, Mike's been around this a long time. He's seen a lot. And uh, it's definitely Bobby Dingman who says, uh, Vrabel seems like the guy, if you're not on my team, you're dead to me. I don't know that you're outright dead to him, but it doesn't mean that he cares at this point he's trying to beat the bills on monday night and it i mean it's going to affect them because they don't have the depth and ty has literally played in four of the five games so now it's going to be somebody different and that may not be as good but i just i think that their issues aren't something that you fix like in the season i think that the issues are going to have to be addressed in the draft which doesn't make you feel great because you drafted two first or first and second offensive line first and second round offensive linemen in the past two seasons they haven't done much for you to this point and uh and it's going to take place in free agency because they need help and I don't think that I don't think that it's going to be that easy of a fix I think it's an offseason situation now they may they may rebound they may get healthy Roger Saffold may start to play throughout all of the games uh you may see Taylor Lewan find his stride and get more and more healthy. And he, actually, he's had a pretty good stretch of the last three games. But, you know, when when the offensive line looks bad as a whole, people look at Taylor first and foremost. And that's the responsibility that, that Taylor has. He's aware of that. Um, but I think more than anything, you know, what's happening, it, I just don't think you fix it right now, even as much as you would like to fix it right now. I think that you're going to have to wait to fix it. And in the meantime, you're going to have to find a way around one of a, you know, an offensive line that's really not good at this point. And that's a problem because it's difficult to get anything done, even with Derrick Henry on your team, if your offensive lineman isn't very good. Uh, Jason Cooper says, what do we do the rest of the year? There probably isn't much on the practice squad. I'd say, hey, I'd say roll with it. I, I may not make you feel great, um, but that I really think that's your best option. You're not going to, I don't think shifting things around is going to help you. I think they're having trouble developing chemistry because they can't stay on the field together. Um, I would say to you that, you know, you can hope that they get more comfortable with each other and they start to find their stride again, as they did in the 2019 season and, and continue to allow them to play, um, at a, you know, together and find that, find that confidence together. And it may sound like a bit of a Hail Mary type situation, but like, honestly, I don't know what else, you know, there's not another good answer. Those are the guys you got and you're not going to give up draft capital for an in-season trade, and you're not going to sign Mitchell Schwartz because Mitchell Schwartz is old and he's got back problems. And that's stupid. So I don't know why people continue to ask for him. They just clearly haven't been paying attention to the fact that he's still out there and any NFL team could have had him and nobody wants him. Um, but, yeah, it's a problem. And I don't think letting go of Dennis Kelly helped. I think you needed the money that you got back on Dennis's contract. But, 
it's clearly costing them. Um, and maybe they wouldn't have been that much better with Dennis, but they weren't bad with Dennis, and right now they're bad. Vrabel seemed irritated over the retirement, saying it doesn't affect the game is bullshit, but it sounds good. I mean, what else is he going to say, Chris? You know, I mean, uh, I don't I don't know what you want him to say there. Like, he's not going to say, yeah, this is the end of the world. We just lost our best swing tackle, and our offensive line's playing like shit right now. He's not going to say that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's them's the breaks at this point. And I, I understand why Mike answers it the way that he answers it. And I also understand why I look at it and say, yeah, but also it's not great right now. And you got to figure it out because otherwise, I mean, it's just going to continue to spiral. But at three and two, listen, they're they're sitting in the top four. They're squarely in the playoff picture, even if they're the last, uh, even if they're the uh, the four seed at the moment. And but they have the opportunity to climb further in the AFC Playoff standings, they have the ability to really get one over on the Bills and the Chiefs in the next couple of weeks and win their division all in the next month. They can win. They can be firmly entrenched in the AFC playoff picture if they win two of the three games. Um, but you need to win – or two of the four games, rather, because you got that Rams game coming up, too. Um, now, it helps that the Colts also lost to the Rams, so if you lose to the Rams, you don't feel that bad about it. But uh, it's going to be interesting to watch and we're going to be watching all of it we're going to be covering all of it because i'll be at all the games and we'll talk about it after every game and we will talk about it again tomorrow because tonight's primetime show is concluded thank you guys as always for your participation we uh always enjoy interacting with you guys across the four social media platforms if you haven't read the article please do uh and if i can answer any questions for you you can always dm me on twitter or on instagram and I'm pretty good about getting back to people. Uh, make sure you check out the install with Greg Cosell. It is available to you in your favorite podcast app. Evan White says the Vols are back. Well, I don't know about the Vols being outright back, but they got a big game against Lane Kiffin on Saturday. And Jonathan Crompton, former Vols quarterback, will join me on the radio show tomorrow. We'll have Ian Harditz of Pro Football Focus. We will have Marcus Johnson, uh, Titans wide receiver. He'll be on my radio show tomorrow. And we will have Jonathan Crompton. So from 10 to 1 on 104.5 The Zone, you can come hang out with me. If you don't get enough of me here, uh, the radio show is a lot of fun. So we will uh, we'll hope that uh, we hope that you guys will join us there as well. And if not, we've got one more primetime show to do for this week, tomorrow night. So we will see you then on A to Z Sports Prime.